Well, good morning, North River. 2021. We're uh, continuing our theme uh, that we started last week, Faithful Together. And, um, you know, this is something that we don't do uh, uh, in isolation. This uh, journey of faith that we're on, that we walk it together. The, uh, the Bible talks about this concept of praying for each other day and night so that we can supply what's lacking in, in each other's faith. I think a lot of you know that my tradition before I speak on, on Sunday mornings, particularly during this uh, pandemic, is to come over on Saturday and, and spend some time here in the auditorium. It's even more empty than it is right now. And I take time and I, uh, I think about all of you. I walk up each aisle and and down some of the rows, and uh, because, you know, when we're all back together at Austin Ave, I, I sort of know where you sit, and I know where your families, you know, your family groups tend to be, and I walk up those aisles, and, and I pray for each one of us, uh, because this, this is a journey of faith, and we need each other, and so the Bible says to pray for each other day and night so that we can see each other again, and how real is that in these last 10 months? that we can actually see each other and, and come back together again as circumstances will be such so we can spend time together in person. That's what the passage is referring to in 1 Thessalonians 3.10. And then he says, I pray that we can see each other and supply what is lacking in each other's faith. I wonder this morning, is there anything lacking in your faith? There certainly is in mine, actually in all of ours. And to, to be able to to, to grow in Christ the way that uh, into this fullness of the image of the stature of Christ, we do need each other. We need to be faithful together. And for me personally, it's been about uh, two or three weeks uh, since I've been back in this auditorium and being at least with a handful of brothers and sisters. And I'm pretty excited just to, to be here and, and to see you guys and ladies and spend a little bit of time together but you know I was also super excited you know to find out at the very beginning of the year people being baptized into Christ Nathan was baptized into Christ on January the 1st and then uh, Dominique was baptized and then uh, on Tuesday uh, Camden was baptized into his Christ just a little bit a, a few weeks after his mom was restored and then this joy and this new life of, of just right at the beginning of the year seeing young men and women women commit to that journey to be faithful together. And, and, and these, these young men and women, they're young, but historically they're old enough to go to war and to start families and to change the world. And, and, and we're, we're wondering, what kind of example will they see in us to be able to be that wind beneath their wings and we give them roots and we give them wings and, uh, you know, in their life. The, um, this morning, uh, those songs are very meaningful, all of them, but, but uh, I thought about the song we just uh, sang a few moments ago, I lean not on my own understanding. There, there's nothing I can hold on to. How appropriate and how timely. Now, now you've noticed already, and, and, and this is an unusual week in our lives, in our history, and we will comment on some of those things we already have. I'll say a few things, although mainly focused on Scripture here for the next 20 minutes, you know, or so. It's so important to be able to see what we're going through and living through in the light of Scripture. And I'm really hoping you'll have a Bible handy, you'll open it up, and you'll look through some of these passages. But if there ever was a thought 
leaning not on our own understanding. There's nothing I can hold on to while that song is so appropriate. We have major trust issues in this world. You're aware of that, right? We have a worldwide pandemic, but some people don't trust the vaccine. People don't trust the vote. Many don't trust their elected officials. They don't trust that their government has their best interest in mind. Many don't trust the police. They don't trust their banks. They don't trust the U.S. currency. They don't trust their online security on their networks. They, they don't trust their, their own bodies even, or their religion, or even their God. Women, thousands of them don't trust men. Some people just decide, I don't trust anybody at all, and that's just fine with me. That's how I'm going to have to live. The Bible, though, really makes it clear, any of us that spend any time in it, that on none of those things, none of those things were ever intended to be something that could be fully trusted or leaned upon or counted on. But we can state, you know, today that God is faithful. And that's where, where we're looking at for our, our next, uh, you know, our next passage Faithful together, God is faithful. I'm just calling it, you know, part two. God is faithful, and God is not unaware of the stuff we're going through individually in our families or in our country or in our world. And we can trust him. That's what we're really trying to zero in on, you know, this month. Jeff last week started us off on faithful together, part one. And the focus there was uh, when we think about this whole overall term of faithful together, we, we tend to think about, okay, our faithfulness and us and us working together. And yet Jeff riveted us in our curriculum committees. We talked about it and planned these lessons out months ago. The idea was to focus first on God and his faithfulness, and then we can get to us. And we can have that in kind of inspiration and direction to be faithful, you know, together. And Jeff started out in Genesis chapter 1. I'll be looking at Exodus as a launching point, you know, today. And he, he went to God's creation. That just looking at God's creation can inspire faith and trust and awe in, in, in all of us. The, uh, uh, this morning... I got up and uh, I spent some time with the sunrise this morning, and it was beautiful, and I got to pray and reflect and read the Bible and, and, and just think about a lot of the things we're discussing you today. There were, uh, you know, there were a lot of things I, I wondered about. Honestly, I, I wondered how, uh, how my hip was going to feel this morning because I had hip replacement surgery about six weeks ago. So, you know, you never know. You get up in the morning, how am I going to feel? Okay, it feels pretty good. That's nice. I wondered what, what's going to be the latest chaos that we're going to have in our country. It'll be something, won't it? Well, what's the latest natural disaster that's, that's going to come? What, uh, I, I wondered, well, what, what are the real intentions of our, our political leaders? I wonder about uh, a, a lot of different things, you know, in uh, you know, my life. And uh, one thing I never wonder about... <laughs> Is that sun coming up tomorrow morning? It's coming up. You can depend on it. You never have to worry about it because God's faithfulness is written in the heavens. Can I get an amen wherever you are or at least a nod and go, well, that's for sure. Well, we can trust God. 
We can trust his word. You know the scriptures. And as Jeff reminded us again, always remember as we study the scriptures, always remember the main character in this story in our study is our story is God. He is faithful. And today um, we decided, well, a couple months ago, we'd focus on the book of Exodus. I'm going to do that. I'm going to uh, encourage you to read through your Bible, the book of Exodus, and to be able to look and to note God's faithfulness. I'll highlight a few things today, and then I'll make some applications from the New Testament that, that, that are appropriate and timely for us today a little bit later on in, uh, you know, you know, in the lesson. I, I thought about one of the best ways to, to summarize this is from Psalms 1, uh, you know, uh, 136. Because here he's reviewing God's faithfulness with Israel in, uh, uh, as, as he, he showed that his love endures forever. This is a beautiful thing to focus on, to meditate on. God's love endures forever. His faithfulness endures forever. We can trust him. We can put our full weight in him, whatever our present circumstances are, and they change radically. You know, in the, the Bible, as we read about God working with his people, New and Old Testament. But here we see that God's love endures forever, and he uses the events in the book of Exodus as an example. How he, uh, God was faithful, and his love endured forever. He struck down the firstborn you know, of Egypt to be able to get their attention, and so his people could be set free. He brought Israel out from among them because his love endures forever. With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, he parted the Red Sea, and his love endures forever. He brought Israel out of the midst of it. He swept Pharaoh and the armies into the depths of that sea. His love endures forever. He was an inheritance to his servant, you know, Israel. And we go on through the rest of the, the, rest of the, the, the chapter, and the whole idea is God's love and faithfulness endures forever. Read through the book of Exodus. Be able to see it. You can trust him. You can put your full weight on him, not because of what you're feeling this morning or what's going on around you or what people are doing around you, but God is faithful. We can trust him, lean on him, and depend on him. When you read through Exodus again, you'll just be able to see all of these ways that God showed his faithfulness and his enduring love to his people. How from a childless, older couple, God fulfills his promise and makes Israel this great nation. It's amazing how he protected the little baby Moses in that little mini ark and protected his life. And he had a plan for him, a plan for him. It was so amazing. This little baby is going to be the savior of his people. And God protected him and he, he reared him up in a powerful way. We saw how God was faithful even when Moses was being a little faithless and not really wanting to move on with the assignment that God had proposed in his life. And yet God was patient and loving and he helped Moses work through those things. We see God's true judgment on Egypt's gods. And their son God was not reliable, but the, the, the God of Israel really was. He set his people free just as he promised that he would. He provided manna, water, fire at night, cloud by day, his presence in the desert. He guided them through. He was faithful. He did not leave, even when they were just being idiots 
And they were just, just causing all kinds of issues, and we'll see that in the next psalm. He gave them the Ten Commandments to be able to give them a direction for their living and to try to help build a life that can last. He made that provision, a place for them to live and to be able to grow. And for, through his promise, he led them into the promised land. He stuck with them even through so much disobedience. Focus in this book of Exodus is this promised land that God is leading us somewhere. We're not there yet. We're going through stuff. But God is faithful. He'll take us there. He'll lead us there. There is an issue. There is a problem with humankind. Our problem is that we get, un, that we get faithless like Israel was in their experience with God after these events, but God remains faithful. And again, this is a psalm where you can read through in Psalm 106, and you can see that God's love endures forever, even, even that we have sinned as our ancestors have done. Uh, they acted disobediently. They, they gave no thought to your miracles. They didn't remember your, your many kindnesses. And then in verse 13, here's this phrase. They soon forgot what he had done, and they didn't wait for his plan to unfold. This is an issue with all men and women who want to be faithful to God and to be committed, and they go, okay, I've made that decision. As time goes on, we will forget some of the things God has done, even in our own life, much less throughout history. And then we will not wait for his plan to unfold. I think it's a major problem for so many through so many years, not willing to wait for the plan to unfold in our lives, in our families, in our church, in our world. My six decades of life have taught me, well, you just got to wait for some things for God to be able, in his timing, to be able to move. I'm not great at patience. Kelly points it out all the time. I think she, she thinks traffic is my worst problem. I think technology also is right up there. And we'll be at the traffic light, and I want to check my phone. Okay, but she says, you can't touch your phone or they're going to throw you in jail for the rest of your life. Okay, and we have this little debate. I don't think that's going to be the case. But, you know, she said, no, 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 you cannot touch your phone. I want to look at that phone. I'm impatient in traffic. I'm impatient in, 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 even in little things like that. But that's a small gig. But all of us have problems and, and, and things with this. This is a very interesting week for me. I, uh, I had a very interesting 24 hours. And uh, on Tuesday, I, I was just rejoicing over the baptisms. And I was getting to see the pictures and getting the word that um, Camden was going to be baptized that night. And our youth and family, uh, brothers and sisters, were so excited. And, um, and, and I got home and I looked at the mail. And uh, I, had a, I, had a, I had a check that looked like it was from the government. I opened it up. And it was $1,200 that I completely did not expect. And I went, wow, that's a good day. And I, I showed Kelly and said, well, what are we going to do with this? We, it's unexpected. We weren't planning on this money. What, what should we do with it? And we, and, and we decided, you know, this, you know, we have our budget together. We're going to go ahead and give half of that to our Generosity Sunday. We'll give that early uh, to our season of giving. And then we're going to take the other half, the other $600, and be able to give to people that we know that are struggling a little bit financially. We've already used about $300 of that. And so that was a good thing. We're pretty excited about it. And then, within 24 hours, 
It's on Wednesday. I'm trying to drive back. My, my phone is, is blowing up. Now, I can't touch it or Kelly is convinced they're going to throw me in jail for a long time. So I can't look at it, but it's blowing up. Bing, 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 bing. And because of what is going on in our country and going on in, you know, in, in our capital. And it was just, uh, it, it was crazy. I got home and I... Uh, I don't watch news a lot, but when I do, I go back and forth between two sort of different channels with different perspectives. And um, the one thing I did do, I definitely saw different perspectives, but there was one thing that was clear. Everybody was completely, you know, horrified and feeling like this is wrong. How did we get here? They have different perspectives on that point, but all that it was wrong, and then it was chaos, and it was whole world is watching you know, uh, you know, some terrible events, you know, in our country. And, and I thought, you know, there are lessons to be learned in, in 2020. And I, I think one of the lessons that I've learned, I suspect you have too, is that people have different perspectives. They really do. On the same events, on the same things that happen. We've known that for a long time, but this is more than food, entertainment, or our sports teams. You know, 2020 propelled us in a, in a, in a whole nother way to face up with some uncomfortable, you know, things. I saw this, uh, th- this article. Um, there's a group called Renew that is some of our restoration churches that tr- work to deepen their Bible study. And there's a gentleman named Daniel, uh, Daniel McCoy who wrote this article, A Tragic Choice for a Hill to Die On. And he was, he was lamenting, you know, over this, over the events, you know, that we all went through, you know, in the Capitol. And he, he said, as Americans, we couldn't make it a week after merrily ringing in a new unsoiled year before seeing radicals break windows and scaling walls in our own U.S. Capitol. On Wednesday, January 6th, our stomachs sank as we saw photos of lawn nooses, Confederate flags, barricaded doors, and senators huddled in fear. I wrote down... Uh, you know, when I first heard about these things, I just wrote down in my little journal, this is, this is profoundly sad and troubling. The, uh, it, it, this article goes on. It says, Capitol Hill, for one, more than one protester, became the hill to die on. And he is, he's kind of thinking through his experience in, in different churches. Said, uh, one of the great disappointments of 2020 was seeing Christians die on the wrong hill. Through the years, we've all shaken our heads about hearing stories of churches splitting and dividing for dumb reasons. Can you believe some some churches actually split over the color of the carpet? I didn't know that, but I'm assuming he's referring to something he's aware of. Crazy at some of our richly resourced multi-staff churches of 2020 threatened to tear apart over what to do with an even thinner strip of cloth called a mask. Now, you know, what's interesting, he goes on and he says, if there are political differences within your church, then praise God. We should all be praising God right now. Because what he goes on to say, this means you have not circled the wagon so tightly that outsiders don't feel welcome in your church. It's not that, whatever that technical term you use, Bob, you know, about everybody, all the same people getting together, you know. No, it is a, it is a church of all nations, you know. And these, these differences give us a starting point for living out the biblical commands to seek peace and pursue it and to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. 
<laughs> Those scriptures don't even make sense, you know, if everyone you hang out with is somebody you agree with in every detail, you know, and, and, and look exactly the same way. You just got a social club, you know, or a political club rather than a church. And the eradication of differences as we talk about some of these things, some of us will have different perspectives even on what's been said, you know, today. You know, it's, uh, you know, but the eradicating that at all, thinking the same way, is not the hill the North River is going to choose to die on. It's allegiance to Jesus Christ and his kingdom and the lordship of Jesus Christ, loving God, loving people, and helping change the world. That's the hill. And uh, we remember Michael Burns on, uh, you know, he, he taught us there in, um, in December. And his book is very strong on escaping the beast. There is a, base, a beast to escape, and it's not us. It's not somebody who may see things with a different perspective than us. It is the true beast in the Bible. It's the true dark forces that have, among many agendas, a primary agenda of trying to divide people and cause distrust and not, not, not to be uh, strong and being faithful with, with God, the, uh, the real enemy. You know, the book of Revelation talks a lot about this. Um, what's interesting is, that, is our New Testament is written. Uh, th- there was definitely a world power, and they were all a part of it. It was Rome. Uh, I mean, talk about a dominant culture. That was the dominant culture of all dominant cultures. They ruled everything. The Bible talked about it in Revelation. It's a beast. It's, it's referred to Rome in symbolic ways several times in this respect. They were all about empire, not about shalom. And it'd be hard for us to imagine what it would be like to live in Egyptian slavery. Well, I think it'd be hard for us to imagine what it was like for the vast majority, not only the Roman Empire, but most of our fellow disciples at that time when the New Testament was written, they were slaves. Up to a half of the Roman Empire at certain times were slaves. It wasn't even seriously questioned in any of the documents, you know, of that day. There's never been, uh, I, I think, any, uh, uh, any culture that inundated with it. They actually had a view that it helped provide social balance there. It was, it, it was rough. And this is where our Christians were. I mean, the thought of treating each other fairly and equally... In the history of the world, pretty much every culture, every country, every person, by the time they reach middle school, they figured it out. It's abundantly clear. Tragically, this world has never been fair. But in Jesus' church, we're called a higher standard. But, they, but, but things like race, gender, religion, social strata, education, physical appearance, economic prosperity, people are treated differently and often unjustly and despicably. That unfortunately, is a history of our world. And all of us understand that. But, 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 but so on one hand, we do everything we can to have the spirit. We're going to see these scriptures in Romans chapter 12 in a minute to have, to, to have that not in any way in the church, but we're humans. We got to keep working, you know, on, you know, on this. But uh, it's, it's a good thing to remember where most of our brothers and sisters were dealing with as they were reading these passages, and I'm gonna, I want to close out and, and ask you to spend some time doing something for me. It's in the book of Romans. In Romans. Now, Romans 1 through 11 is all about God is faithful. But in Romans 12 through 16, it's being faithful together. And if you will read Romans chapter 12 through 15 and spend time thinking about it, 
reflecting on it, meditating on it, etc., you'll be able to see how Christians, God's instruction to us, how we should, we should be dealing with whatever we're dealing with presently and whatever comes at us in, you know, you know, in the future. I'll highlight these things. I want you to be able to spend time with them, and then we'll wrap it up. Hey, the first thing is offer our bodies to God as a living sacrifice, and do not be conformed to the pattern of the world. So important. And then a, a passage that a lot of us would do well to think a lot about. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but rather with sober judgment. We got to be very circumspect about the things that we think about and we're so sure about and be humble and willing to be sober-minded and understand we are in a body, which is the very next phrase. Each of us, we got many parts, but we're one body in the same way. It's that way in the church and we all belong to each other. So important. And then this is something I want us to talk about for just a moment before we're done. Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. The imperative in the scripture is love. Hate what is evil is a very strong word. And God says in, in, in Proverbs chapter 6, hey, verse 19 there, seven things to hate, and he hates them. None of them are people, though. We hate sin, and there are a lot of things we've already talked about them that were wrong, that were sin. You may have a different perspective on some nuances of it, but clearly these things were wrong and chaos and not only embarrassment, but in some ways a condemnation, you know, of, of, some, of many aspects and that we need to work on this and pray about it. But while we hate evil, we love people. Be devoted to one another in love. Above all else, love one another because love covers what? A multitude of sins, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. The greatest of these is love, 1 Corinthians 13. If you think you got all the wisdom in the world and the greatest speech and the greatest perspective, if you don't have love, you're a zero. You're nothing, according to the Bible. This is so important, but love must be sincere. It's the word we, we use, the English word we use for this is hypocrisy. It's uh, the Greek word for sincerity. We, we, we tr transliterated for sincerity. And it was the word where an actor in the ancient world would put on a mask and they would play a role. And their love, in this case, he's saying, don't, don't be fake about it. Don't put on a mask. You know, make it real. Make it sincere. Make it based on what God says to make it based on, not on, you know, on our opinions about certain kinds of things. Rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. Let's have empathy for each other. Wherever we feel like we are on some of these things, let's take the time to try to validate what each other is feeling. We are one body. We are together. We are one family. And this is not opinion. This is scripture. And then, of course, he goes on. He says, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I certainly hope that that's what we're going to be, you know, be, be, be doing in uh, 2021. Um, we do want to change the world, but we got to love God. And love people to be able to do it some of you may not like what chapter 13 is going to say so i'll just leave it with you see if you got the courage to read it and put it into practice and in chapter 14 no passing judgment on brothers and sisters in christ period everything we do to build each other up and we're as strong if you feel like you're strong our goal is to bear with the failings of the weak um thank you for 
your attention to this. I'm a flawed human being. I'm almost positive I've said some things that, you know, aren't exactly perfectly said. All of us are. But God's word is there. <laughs> Jump on in Romans. Jump on in Exodus. Love, be devoted with brotherly love. Be kind, compassion, overcome evil with good. And then it's in, in Psalm 89, let's sing and declare the righteousness of God. That's what North River wants to be about in 2021. And um, as we take communion in just a moment, get your bread and your juice, just reflect it. The Bible says we do this until he comes again. And ultimately, <laughs> the only words that ever matter, that we ever hear, are these words. Well done, good and faithful servant. He's faithful. Let's be faithful together. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are humbled by your scripture. We're humbled by our own sins and weaknesses. But Father, we're inspired by Jesus. Thank you that he loves sinners enough like us, to get up on a cross for us. Pray that we can, in the same way, love and serve. Please take this service, but most of all, take these emblems, this, this bread and this, this juice, and work in our hearts to make us more like you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.